My guest today is the effervescent entrepreneur and career coaching expert, Octavia Gorodema, British by birth and resident of LA. Octavia is the founder of 2010 Agency, a career coaching company which works with individuals and also major corporations to help them advance the leadership development of underrepresented employees. Octavia was appointed a member of the Order of the British Empire by Her Majesty the Queen in recognition of her work. And she's also an ambassador of the Pankhurst Centre, birthplace of the suffragette movement. Octavia has hosted HBR Now, Harvard Business Review's weekly show about leadership. She's been a speaker on the subject of the underrepresented at the UN Women's National Student Committee, the Royal Society of Arts and the University of California, among many others. More recently, Octavia's first book, Prep, Push, Pivot, Essential Career Strategies for Underrepresented Women, was published. In our conversation, we discuss the role of change in Octavia's life and how she enables many to bring about change by navigating the key moments that define their careers and their lives. You are listening to Double Espresso with D, with me, D Sterling. I love a great story. So in this season, I will talk to incredible people who've experienced huge, pivotal moments of real change, by choice or by circumstance. From stories of reinvention and inspiring career pivots, to the dramatic shifts that happen in moments of crisis, I hope you can join us each week to hear about their fascinating and inspiring journeys. Octavia, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, it's wonderful to be here. Thank you, Dee. Octavia, this series, as you know, is all about change and epiphanies and moments of change. And it strikes me that you are someone who loves change, but also you are a change agent in so much of what you do, which we will be coming on to shortly. But I would like to go back to 2005. You grew up in the UK and you moved to LA. What happened? I followed a boy. Uh, <laughs> that, excellent. That, that's the personal reason. Um, the professional reason was there was a fantastic opportunity for me to transfer to the Los Angeles office of my company, um, which I did, um, the company I was working at at the time before. I'm a career coach, but before I became a career coach, I worked in public relations for many years. And I said to the boy that I followed, <laughs> You've got me for one year and then I'm going back to London. Well, famous last words. Oh my gosh. Is he still in the picture? <laughs> Did he become the husband? He became the husband, Yay, yes. Um, fantastic. Um, so it was definitely a, um, a smart decision on my part to take the leap. But um, Los Angeles is now my home. I'm now a dual US UK citizen. Oh my gosh, congratulations. And Certainly in 2005, when I was preparing to leave London and work overseas for the very first time, I never would have guessed what would have happened next. <laughs> and that is the joy and the magic, right? And so you you settled in, right? Yes, but not immediately. Really didn't like Los Angeles for a very long time. Why was that? Oh my goodness. Um, so many reasons. First of all, I think I'd underestimated what a move would entail because I was like, oh, America, I speak the language. 
But do we? Do we? But we don't. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We don't. So it took a long, long time for me to assimilate, to understand how to communicate, uh, not just find my way around the city, but to find my way around a completely different culture um, and dynamic and forge new relationships. I had moved to be with my partner, but I knew nobody else. And so it was starting a a new job in a new country um, a new everything. And it literally, it, it, it was a completely new start, but also not um not a gentle start in that I was starting a new role where I had to get up. It was a new role to me, but an existing and important role, the company I was enjoying. And I had to get up and running very, 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 very quickly. And so for a long time, there was so much that I, I had to navigate. And while I was doing the work I needed to do, I really wasn't enjoying where I was living at all. And when I reflect on that now to your question, it was because it was the antithesis of everything I knew. And it took me a while to fully, and while I wanted to be in Los Angeles, to really embrace all of the differences. And about maybe about a year and a half later, I slowly realized, oh my goodness, I've done it. And I never regretted my decision to move at any point, but it took me a long time to really start to move forward and find my feet and all of those things. And it was a really important reminder that while change might happen suddenly, the ripple effects from that change can take a while. Um, And that was the case with me. I totally get that. It parallels some of my own experiences living in different countries and different places. And I think it takes time. It's the transition effect, isn't it? It takes time to understand the codes and the lexicon and the neighborhoods and everything. And even if you're working for the same company, to your point, it's a new role to you. It's a new city. And I think that can be painful, actually, you know, until you get into it and you find your feet. So over time, Octavia, it became your home turf in some respects. Yes, absolutely. And some years later, you in 2010, you launched brilliantly named 2010. So this is a coaching company, an empire that you've been building over many years with your team, working with um, the leadership teams, I guess, of a lot of major organizations from Google and American Airlines, Tinder, General Motors, Nike, Dow Jones. I could go on and on and on. And your theme is really about um, working with leaders to enhance the lives of their underrepresented employees, bringing them up, bringing them on. You have a lot of expertise in this area. Um, Tell us a little bit about this theme and are things actually changing? Oh, well, I'm a career coach and I love the work that I do because so much of it is invisible. I work with companies to deliver workshops or group coaching for leadership or up and coming rising talent at their companies. And we also do one-on-one coaching. Some organizations bring us in for extended periods to work individually, one-on-one for six months or a year with their employees. 
And I love that work um, as a black woman and someone who had a corporate career before I became a coach and started 2010 Agency. I know how impactful it can be to have spaces, to have really frank and open conversations about not just career advancement strategies and best practices, but where you are right now in this moment and what's not working for you the way that you would like it to, or where you've not been able to connect dots, or where you might be struggling with relationships, or where you might need to be more visible, or where you've perhaps had an interaction or an experience at work that doesn't sit right with you and it's making you question so many things, not just about perhaps the culture, but also about what you're doing and where you're meant to be. And so that work is so important, um, but it's invisible. And I love that about it. I love that the work that I do can ignite not just conversations or awareness, but it actually can ignite something within somebody else. Oh, totally. And it's very profound, isn't it? Because as you say, you're not just operating at the corporate level and you are working very, very deeply with these individuals, whether it be in groups or on a one-on-one basis. I think what you've been doing for many years is being talked about a lot more today, right? It's, you know, very broadly part of the whole diversity and inclusion narrative and, and leveling up and being much more inclusive across all groups in society. In all the years that you've been doing this, has there been a shift within the corporate world? Um, Well, the pandemic has created monumental shifts in multiple ways for so many of us. And there's been this convergence of um, social justice and inequity and public health in such a profound way that I'm certain when we look back on this time and talk to our grandkids about it, we will still probably be reeling at what we are trying to work our way through. The statistics continuously show, whether they're in the UK or here in the US or globally, of the pay gap and opportunity gaps for women and then the levels of those gaps and the impact of those gaps are even more pronounced for underrepresented women, minority women, almost regardless of industry sector. These are consistent trends that we have been seeing. And but I know, horrifically. As a coach, I am blown away by the resilience of so many people navigating so many personal and broader challenges in this time. And so fundamentally, systemically, I can't say I have, (laughs) there's definitely more dialogue, which is important. And like you said, certainly a heightened sense of awareness, but it's too early to say (laughs) how this will play out longer term. But in the immediate term, we individually have navigated so much and continue to do so. And I am just so inspired and motivated by seeing what people are doing in their own careers, doing for one another, (laughs) doing in their communities, just to work through. So to your point, a lot of people had to deal with massive challenges during COVID, right? Not not just getting the day job done if they were 
privileged enough to be able to keep working and keep doing their work and also managing from their home environment, which was a huge challenge. But what have you seen in that in during this time that is that has shifted in terms of what people have been dealing with and how? Goodness, so many things, because not everyone is having the same experience, but from, like you said, losing jobs, furloughed, starting new jobs, caring for others, juggling childcare, juggling homeschool, moving, <laughs> you know, moving to different parts of the country or even possibly different parts of the world. There's so much. Um, and then also personal reckonings too and questioning about what we're doing, why we're doing what we're doing, how we do what we do, what matters most to us. And then division too. It's been a very polarizing time, really difficult and hard conversations about very difficult and complex topics. I see this also for the the senior leaders and CEOs that we work with the parameters in terms of how they lead are shifting daily and employees are looking for guidance that is shifting daily because of circumstances and situations. It's almost inconceivable to when you really look at the magnitude of how much has happened in such a short space of time. I also think that, um, well, I wonder rather if how people operate has shifted in terms of awareness of others. I noted very early on in COVID, everyone was on Zooms and, or many of us were on Zooms. And even if it was with people you didn't necessarily know very well, and it was in the business context, people asked how you were. And it sounded like they meant it. They asked if your family were fine, right? And here in the UK, um, a study was done on kindness. And I was listening earlier this early, early this morning on some of the initial findings. And, you know, it was talking about how people become kinder in this time. What do you see with the challenges of at a corporate level? Oh, my goodness, absolutely. But then I think there's also the fatigue and burnout that so many people are experiencing. And while, yes, I hope that empathy for one another and from leadership from the pandemic will continue beyond, there's also burnout and mental health challenges that are happening at different times to different people in different ways. And the one surprising thing for me I I see consistently regardless of what people are doing, people are showing up for work, showing up on time, getting onto their Zooms on time, doing all these things. And there's so much going on around our environments, whether we're back in at work or hybrid or at home. And then the ramifications, the ripple effects from stress can appear so much later. So it's hitting people at different times in different ways. Do you think there are one or two things that large organizations should be leading the way on post-pandemic that would really make a difference that they're not giving enough attention to? Being really active listeners and giving space for people to share and be heard. For everyone who's thrilled to be back in the office, there's going to be people who this is a challenge. That everyone that everyone's experience in the same team, environments, companies is going to be very different. And this is so hard. And so many people 
have changed roles or joined companies during this time too. There is so much to navigate. So continuing to make the investment in your people, continuing to be active listeners, continuing to hold space, I think is incredibly important. Totally. And that's um, incredibly encouraging. And I think a lot of that has been driven by young people as well who speak up and who have expectations that, you know, maybe we didn't in the same way when we started our careers because it was a slightly different world. And in the case of you, superwoman that you are, you also managed to write a book, Prep, Push, Pivot. I mean, oh my God, the title is just so brilliant. And um, it's I guess, the indispensable career guide for women looking for a new role, for a change, etc. And, you know, addresses many of the challenges that women face and gives tips and, and, and advice and counsel. And um, this book is about, I guess, creating change in a way, which is something you thrive on. What drove you to write this book? So yes, Prep Push Pivot is a career coaching guide for underrepresented women. And as a coach, I know how hard it can be at so many moments, whether it's negotiating your salary or finding um, that next role or asking for a promotion or coming back to work after a career break. And so I wanted to create a resource that could support someone as they are navigating some of those key moments that can define our career. And as a black woman myself, it was very important to me. And when we look at the um, pay gap and opportunity gaps and how that plays out for women of color in the workplace, that I created, while the the advice is universal and the advice that we need in our careers applies to anyone (laughs) in terms of how you move forward, I was incredibly mindful about the ramifications for women of color in the workplace. And so I wrote this book and yes, um, it debuted um, here in the United States earlier this year and in the United Kingdom this month. I mean, you must feel so proud of yourself. It's such a massive achievement. And so many people say they write, they want to write a book or they're going to write a book or they nearly wrote a book, but you actually did it. So I really salute you. Um, tell me, Octavia, what's the one thing, I'm going to keep you to one, one thing that you learned about yourself in the process of writing this book? Um, The one thing that was reinforced to me while not just writing this book, but taking the steps to have the opportunity to write this book, because that's really where a lot of the work lies in terms of getting representation and a publisher before you can even embark, is to know your worth even if it's not being reflected back at you. And I share that in the book as well, because there's going to be so many times when you hear no, or you are not able to move forward. And you have to believe wholeheartedly in you and not that there's not room for growth or improvement or to try and do things better, But you have to believe wholeheartedly, even when other people may not be believing in you in that moment. Well, that's beautiful. I also think that there's something wonderful about doing something you've never done. Because actually, if we were sitting here today and someone had, and you you were thinking about doing it, and someone had told you, well, you're going to have to deal with this and this and this and this, well, you probably would have started it, but most people wouldn't have, right? So I think that's really incredible. Tell me, a lot of what the book's about is a 
is about career change. It's about change, effectively. And sometimes people make a change through boredom. I mean, is that a good reason to change, that we need a new environment? Is that the right kind of change? Sometimes people can't make changes because they're stuck and they're fearful. What do you say on those themes? Yeah, there's no perfect way to make a change. Sometimes change is forced on you. Sometimes you want it. Sometimes you want it but don't know how to do it. Sometimes you're resistant to it. Change big and small is not easy to navigate, even if it's something you wanted to instigate. So make peace with yourself with that. Just trust your gut. Get support if you need it. Don't be afraid to ask for what you want. Don't be afraid to talk through or explore what's difficult for you in that process. So trust your gut and just keep taking steps. Um, And to your point, Dee, when I, at certain points on this book journey, for example, as we're using that as an example, I would look ahead and there just was seemed to be so much. And I had to realize I can't look too far. I have to think about, well, what's what's the next thing I could do or what could I consistently commit to? And then I think also, what's your definition of success as you're navigating this change? And be really true to yourself about what that is. How it might be to someone else might not be what it is for you, um, depending on where you're at and how you're feeling and what you need. But action, isn't it? What I call persistent action, as opposed to just thinking about it, not converting it into activity. And you talk about fear and, you know, fear as being a massive challenge for people and for a lot of your clients. And what is your guidance to people around the whole fearfulness theme? Yes, not just my clients and other people. Fear for me. We all, we all experience fear. Our careers and our lives matter. The work we do is the most personal and important investment we'll ever make in anything. So the stakes are always high. If you're afraid, it really matters. And that's actually a good thing, as terrifying as it might be. (laughs) It matters for some reason. And hanging on to the fact that it matters is good. And then remembering times when you've done things large or small that you would never have thought might be possible for you. And using the benefit of hindsight to remember. Right. We don't allow ourselves to do that, really, do we? Because we're always sort of on a mission to the next thing. And what role has fear played in your life? And how have you galvanized it? Oh, my goodness. Constantly. <laughs> um, <laughs> where, where, where do I start? Well, we're talking about my book, so we can start there. Fear of rejection when I was starting the project. Fear that no one would want to support my idea because I I chose to take the route of traditional publishing um, versus self-publishing. And so to do that, my first step was to get a literary agent. And that first step. It's massive. It is massive. Yes. I remember very clearly I finished my book proposal on Boxing Day 2019. And because Boxing Day isn't a holiday here in the United States, I started sending out my book proposals that day. And I was too afraid to even look at my inbox for a while. (laughs) 
So I, I literally, it was to click open was a huge thing for me, me to do. But you're on the road and you keep going and that's what really matters. So in your life, Octavia, tell me about some of the epiphanies. I mean, I know you've said that, um, and it's a beautiful example, that one of the epiphanies in your life was having your children. Tell me, tell me about that. It's a milestone that is so monumental for anyone <laughs> who has a family. But for me, the epiphany came at different points after my daughters were born. Um, in that certainly the first time around, it was, again, that first experience. And I actually felt I was doing everything wrong, not just as a new mom, but just as Octavia <laughs> um, felt I was doing everything wrong. And it took me a long time to have perspective on that and realize, oh, my goodness, I'm much more capable and stronger and able as a resource, as a result of being an imperfect parent, then I realized I was more focused on all the things I wasn't doing or couldn't do or couldn't do well. And that was sometimes reinforced back at me. There's a lot of pressure right we face as women <laughs> in general um, that really was reverberating on me as well as my own adjustment that I had to make. And it took me a long time to do that. With my second daughter, of course, I had the perspective of parenting, but I really realized, my goodness, I am so much stronger than I realized, way more than I realized physically and mentally, yes, that for me really cemented so much for me about who I am and, and what I can do. And I now see with perspective that I didn't have that I do my best work of a lifetime since I became a parent. Why do you think that is? That's because I have less time, so I use it more impactfully. That's because I am responsible for others. That's because I'm just a stronger and more insightful person now. Also, it, it strikes me that, it, it, you know, so many foundations were put down through all those experiences, right? That have contributed to how you operate today, how you feel about things, how you approach things and your life. And one of the other um, epiphanies that you've mentioned is sort of, the mentorship epiphany, if you will. And, you know, working for a mentor for the first time, with a mentor rather, was a huge moment of discovery. T tell me about that and, and why you feel everyone should have a mentor. Absolutely. So I've had multiple mentors and still do. And I also have had an experience with a potential mentor who didn't believe in me. And that's why the experience that I had with a mentor who stands out, her name's Atiti, was so transformative to me. I remember when my first daughter was really small, a few months old, I was considering a startup idea. This was just before I started my work um, that I do now. And I was paired with a mentor in a program and I 
arranged a babysitter to watch my daughter because it was my first time leaving her during the day. And I was so excited. (laughs) It was a big one. And I was explaining um, to this woman who had been assigned to mentor me about what I wanted to do. And somehow, I don't know how it got mentioned, but that I had a baby. And she looked at me, she's like, you won't be able to do that with a baby. And I was floored. And she picked up her phone and then started sending messages and our meeting was done pretty much. And I remember I was in London and I took the bus home and I cried the whole way home. I was just, I couldn't believe it. And the experience I had a few months later with a new mentor, Atiti, was just the complete opposite D. She told me to bring my daughter to our meeting when she found out I had a baby. And she met me where I was. She didn't put her assumptions of what my path should be on me. She met me where I was and was there to support me. And that was really profound because my confidence was crumbling in this new parenthood, new everything um, phase. I don't know if she realizes how she really laid a foundation for me that I have been able to build on ever since. Uh, incredible. I mean, priceless. It's like having a great teacher, yes. right? And we always need great teachers in our lives, no matter what age or stage we're at, in my view. Yes, I agree. I agree. So, Octavia, I would love you to share some of your secrets about getting ahead in the best way. And, you know, you've said that you and I really, really love this, by the way, that you prioritize work today that you're excited about, you know, to be very focused on what you want to do, how you need to get there and so forth. And I have been reflecting quite a lot on this whole theme of being excited about what we do. And that's really this place where we should sit. I mean, clearly, in real life, there are problems, we just have to find solutions to them. You know, there are challenges in business and life, we know that. But It's about a headset and how you approach it all because there are always going to be challenges, right? There are always going to be issues to sort out. We're not in a perfect world by any stretch of the imagination. But I would love you to talk about the theme of doing what excites you and people finding what excites them and the top tips for sitting in that place of being at their best. You might know what excites you. And like you said, you might still be trying to figure that out. And so just be comfortable with just exploring and testing and being open to things that you might find yourself gravitating towards and knowing along the way there might be a lot of things that don't excite you as much, but you can learn from those things in terms of what you might want to do more of and what you might want to do less. And then I think also when you do have something that excites you, that might also terrify you too, give yourself permission to fail along the way because Careers are messy, super messy, (laughs) super, super messy. And just because something failed or you consider it to be an epic failure doesn't mean it was wrong. It means that there's something within there that you can learn from. You might still keep going and keep going and going and going. You might decide, ah, no, thanks. I want to pivot and try this instead. It's okay. Totally. And also, you know, the only people who don't fail are the people who don't do anything. Literally, it's part of the journey, I think, in many respects. Part of your work is is sharing directions to explore with them, counseling them, helping them find their answers. What is the best piece of advice you've been given? 
Oh my goodness. Um, if you don't ask, you'll never get. I say that the whole time to my children. Yes. And don't stop asking just because you didn't get. Gotta keep asking and pushing um, because it, things often are not instantaneous. I have one final question for you, Octavia, which is really unfair, but I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> What's the next book going to be on? Oh, my goodness. I have like five ideas. Of course you do. Um, <laughs> and so I'm really, really fascinated by what happens after you achieve that pinnacle thing, whatever that pinnacle thing is for you, because that part is often the hardest and that's where you it's not necessarily easy or plain sailing for anyone even though it might look like it is if you've landed that job and you've landed the promotion or you've hit the c-suite or you've made the big career change actually what happens after you achieve something you've been working a really 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 long time for and how do you adjust to that and make space for what comes next for you and also really prioritize you and what you need in that process? Well, I'm so excited about all of this. Uh, Octavia, you are just brilliant, a massive inspiration, and um, I look very much forward to the next adventures. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you. It's great to be here. Speaking to Octavia today reminded me that we're all constantly working through change. But as she points out, often change might happen quickly, but the ripple effects last longer. Which is why it's so important to keep talking, work out what's not working for you, or where you might be struggling, and question where shifts need to happen. The process of questioning and self-discovery is a vital muscle that we have to keep flexing. As Octavia says, there are going to be so many times when you hear no or you're not able to move forward and it's here that you've got to believe wholeheartedly in you, even when other people may not be believing in you at that moment. Octavia also has a message about fear. Much like the process of questioning and discovery, the sense of knowing that something really matters to you can be scary, but also vitally important. If you're afraid, it really matters. That's actually a good thing as terrifying as it might be, she says. The idea that we can take fear and use it to understand ourselves better is very powerful. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to Octavia for her energy and for her wisdom. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on Double Espresso with D. Do connect with me on Instagram at D Double Espresso. I love hearing your feedback and what has resonated with you. And don't forget to join me next week for another amazing guest interview. Until then, au revoir.